Welcome back to the Whole Topic Podcast. Uh, this week is episode 18, and it's the foraging podcast for the fall. So we did a summer foraging podcast where we talked about different things you can forage in the summer. That was very fun and very intriguing. Um, we are also going, we have another uh, free printable that we're going to link in the show notes here that will tell you basically the ones that you can generally find uh, almost no matter where you are. Yeah. Uh, and it also comes with a seasonal um, fruit and vegetable list. So that'll be linked below. But Ariel is our foraging princess. That's yes, you're our foraging princess. Foraging princess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is more probably going to be an interview of Ariel. Of Ariel, yes, to get yeah. her thoughts on what you can one of these One of these days, we got to invite somebody who's a professional yeah <laughs> off gritter hey, we're learning a ton of you yeah. <laughs> you're right there yeah oh, good once, once we good. want to add resources with you we'll look for that <laughs> all right fair enough once we use you up i mean it's no big deal <laughs> so fair. let's um get started so this is going to probably be a very quick episode but i want to know what are some of the most common plants you can forage in the fall season i made a list um so they're in categories and generally fall is known as the mushroom season. Um, although the spring, so it's when rain comes really, when rain comes in your season, that's when you can find mushrooms because mushrooms, the fruiting body of the mushroom needs the rain in order for it to pop up out of the soil. Otherwise it's still down underneath talking to all the other plants. Um, so largely fall is known for like all of the mushrooms. So I highly encourage everybody to get out there. If you don't know what you're doing with mushrooms, there are mushroom IDs now on apps that you can get. I think one is called um, Picture Mushroom. So pretty self-explanatory. You take a picture of the front, the cap of the mushroom, the gills or the spores, the underside of the mushroom, and then the side view because you need to get the stem as well. Some mushrooms need to be identified by getting a spore print. So you bring them inside and you sit them on a piece of paper and you wait overnight and then you remove the mushroom from the paper and it leaves behind a spore print which is a really fun activity to do with your littles too um that's just one cool feature but that helps you identify some mushrooms but there's lots of different ways to identify mushrooms so getting a mushroom guidebook and getting the picture id is is super helpful um you can do it you can do it if you're new you can do it if you're a novice it's it's okay to try and experiment um, there's ones that are like super easy to recognize. My favorite chicken of the woods, bright orange mushroom grows on oak trees or at the base of oak trees or all over the oak tree. It likes to be there usually after a fire has happened. And this will happen with a lot of different kinds of mushrooms. A fire will trigger the fruit. Um, so a fire will go through an area and then a rain will happen. And then you got to get your butt out there and you got to go looking for mushrooms because you're going to find morels, you're going to find chanterelles, you're going to find all kinds of things that bloom once after so, a fire and once it rains. That's probably why we have a bunch of mushrooms out by our burn piles and our 20 acres of pasture out there. Yes, because you've been burning. They've been huge. Like, and the girls what, kind of, what kind of tree have you been burning? Uh, just all different kinds. There's been cedar, there's been oak okay. there's like just it's just a bunch of like um brush stumps from, and brush from yeah, those yeah. trees yeah so yeah. most of the prime edible ones will come off of oaks or your um maples and your hardwoods your conifer trees tend to have more inedible mushrooms or medicinal mushrooms so 
we've got a lot of pines and at the bottom of our pines grow um, the agaritum mushrooms, which is the magic mushroom, which can be red or yellow. We get the yellow variety here. And it's very interesting because John and I are very interested in mushrooms. It, it's it's interesting because within, and I'm going to go on a spiel here, so hear me out. Within religion, we have friends who will not eat mushrooms because they find them to be um, not kosher or inedible. And, and that can run the span of any kind of religion, like Seventh Day, Jewish, it doesn't matter what religion you are, they find mushrooms inedible. Yeah, I know people like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's an interesting topic because the Bible does say the seed, every, every good seed is, is edible and for consumption. The fruiting body of the mushroom is like the seed. Um, but I just, where was I going with that? Mom no, but I'm, gl I'm glad you're talking about this, uh, because, um, it, it is true. Like, I don't yeah. have a problem with mushrooms. Um, yeah, but, but I some do people do. So if you do, then just don't go mushroom hunting. But right, um, maybe do a, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, maybe do a little more research on it and just try to figure out. Okay, because like, how did it pop up? If Where it you stand? Um, right. I'm, that's that's and it spores. Yep, it spores, and there's a lot of different ways that things will seed in nature besides just putting on the classic seed. And the Bible talks about the seed of humans, which looks nothing like a seed oh, of a plant. Seed, yes. So, I mean, but do what you're going to do with mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say is that I know that there's some people who absolutely will not touch mushrooms because of whatever reason. Because it's a fungus people, or yeah, Because it's a fungus, but other people don't like the texture. Some people don't like the taste, but there's a whole host of vitamins and nutrients that you're not getting that you need at this time. So it's like in the springtime when you go and the asparagus pops up, the asparagus is loaded with the nutrients that you need to replenish your body from a full winter of not having them. It's God going out there and saying, here you go. This, this is what your body needs. It needs at this moment. So mushrooms are like that before winter time. So mushrooms host uh, most of the B vitamins, phosphorus, copper, vitamin D, selenium, and potassium. Now, I, I went into a rant because our land is selenium deficient and most of Michigan is selenium deficient. I don't know about where you guys are, but even the plants and the produce that we're getting aren't feeding us selenium. It's interesting. So I looked into this. How do you put selenium back into the earth without just getting like a bag of selenium and dumping it? You burn wood. It's the ash that turns into the mineral over time it takes a long time but it's the burning that creates selenium which is where the mushrooms wood, grow which yeah. is where the mushrooms grow hmm. and so eating mushrooms will replete a lot of selenium for you if you're selenium deficient which That's is a huge issue for some pregnant people as well yeah. take that for what it is um so we only talk oh sorry you got no okay Go ahead, keep going. Going. so we did mushrooms Fruits and berries are huge in the fall. There's lots. And like the classics like apple and pear and plum and persimmon. And you go out and you can find them. One thing that happened this fall to us was a lady called us and, or she posted um, and John found her. And she said, I have this ornamental plum tree in my yard and it's breaking the branches. Does anybody want to come pick them for me? I can't reach them and whatnot. And John was like, ornamental plum? 
no such thing. So we went and we picked, we got two five gallon buckets and she was like, they're so sour. They must be ornamental. You don't want to eat them. And they were a bit sour. So John was like, leave them outside, leave them outside to ripen. We waited a week. It took a week for them to ripen. They were like candy. They were so sweet and delicious. Mm. And this is what I see time and time again, is that people think that they have an ornamental tree. And just because it's labeled ornamental doesn't mean it's unedible. You need to do the research on the plant specifically, because even if it's not edible, is it medicinal? Because that's the fine line that a lot of people tread is, okay, I can't eat, um, what's a good example? Um, I can't eat sumac. It's poisonous. They'll tell you it's poisonous. But we know that's only with certain cultivars. We know that staghorn sumac in the fall, it's red, delicious. You can make a lemonade out of it. The Indians used to make a lemonade out of it. You just take the comb, which is the whole thing, and put it in water and you fill it and it tastes like lemon. It's got like the lemon taste on the tongue. Delicious. Um, or things like, uh, what's the other one I put down? Oh, because this was your step. You, this was your question, Stephanie. What plants in the fall should you stay away from? Yeah, that was going to be my question. So I looked this up and there's a whole list. Choke cherry, um, pokeberry, all these things. But there's also a Facebook group of people who exclusively eat pokeberry. <laughs> you have to boil it several yeah. times. You have to know what to do with the plant and you need to You're take it. You're not just going to go out doses. and pick the pokeberry, but you right. eat it. But if you know what to do with it, most if you know what to are do edible. It. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they have a purpose. So you just need to know what that purpose is. How do I do it? How do I take it in small doses? And that just takes research. Yeah. So fruits and berries, there's lots of those, uh, autumn olive, which is invasive in a lot of States is delicious. Some plants, although when they're not ready, they'll give your tongue that zing and that numb. And so you're like, oh, I don't want that. That's your natural response. Like, oh, this is bad for me, which is true. Let it ripen. It's not ready. Um, rose hips are around hawthorn berries, which are so good for your heart. Um, if anybody has any kind of heart condition or is grieving or things like that, hawthorn berry tea is so good for you and it has an affinity for the heart. So fruits and berries, mushrooms, nuts and seeds. It is nut and seed season. Now, have you guys ever done anything with like acorn or I have tons mm. of acorns though. Guys, flower, acorn flower. Mm. I have heard of that. Another thing from history, the Indians used to make yep. acorn flower. That yep. was their primary flower, flower. besides yeah. besides corn. Um, so acorns, chestnuts, black walnuts. Black walnuts are a pain, and I do them every I have year. A lot of those. And yeah. Those are my favorite. I love are they? black walnuts. They're delicious. Oh my gosh, yeah. so good. Yeah, they've got that fruity flavor on the nut. I don't know if I've ever had a black walnut. Oh my oh, god, they're delicious. They, I mean, I have them down our dirt road. A lot of people don't like the taste. It's like a little bit of a, I would say maybe a little bit of a bitter, but like, a, it's, and there's this recipe that I have that my mom used to make that it's so good. It's like a frozen dessert and it has black mm. walnuts in it. <sighs> Heaven is for I need it. Yes. <laughs> I need yeah. it. Yes, we got. I I got to find that and, and use again because it's so good. And I got to snitch yes. for black walnuts. Yeah, you do. And uh, <laughs> if you're processing, 
<laughs> Processing black walnuts can be a pain. Wear gloves because of the tannins in the skin. Mm -hmm. You got to break them open out of the shell before you can actually crack the nut themselves mm -hmm. um, and pick them out. But they're delicious. Pine what nuts, is the easiest way to do that? I So they're green when they fall off the tree or slightly browned because of bruising. You wait until they all turn brown. Once okay. they turn brown, then you take the husk off and you can get the seed inside. Hide them or put them away somewhere because squirrels will get them. Okay. All all the critters will say, oh, you made me a lovely pile for winter. I will eat it. <laughs> so make sure you tuck it away. But once the skin is brown or black, then you can take that off. And then you've got the nut or the, the no. shell. And then you have to crack it. So having a nutcracker, um, Liam, when he was little, used to do it with rocks. He used to take a really big rock and have the nut on a rock and then he would drop it and it would crack. So, I mean, there there's easier there's ways, ways to do it. Yeah, there's ways you can do it. And then you have to pick the nut flesh out of the actual shell. It's detailed. Like, I now, feel like black yeah. walnuts are pretty detailed. Now, yeah, they are. do they, like a regular walnut, do they need it dry or do, and then you, can you freeze them to preserve them or how does that work? Yes, to both of those. They, they do need that ripening stage. So if you open them when the, the outside is green, they're not going to be okay. fully ready. No. Um, so you do need to let them ripen. And then after you do that, I would let them dry. So what we did was we put them in a wagon that had, you know, those wagons from Tractor Supply yeah. that you can get. And oh, yeah. we just put them all in there and we put the pressure hose on them so that we could clean off once they were shelled and everything yeah. and put them in there. And then we dried them. Once they were dry after like a couple weeks, then we started cracking and they were ready. Okay. Yeah. And then you can freeze them. You can freeze them, but as long as they're dry, put them in a bag in your pantry. They are shelf-stable as a nut. Nuts are shelf-stable. So that's pretty nice to have. I make walnut milk consistently when we don't have an animal in milk. And it's so good for your brain. Yeah. So they tell me online. Yeah. But I, black I walnut. Uh, black um, walnut is also really good for your teeth. Really? I, look into um oh i did be see your that. own doctor yes she does say talk about black walnut having so many medicinal properties yep. and one of them being teeth so yes. micah actually my husband he actually buys this tooth powder he actually just bought it for all the kids as well it's, it's pretty pricey but you can remineralize your teeth and i know this is kind of a little bit off of the foraging thing but talk about you it. can remineralize your teeth and i think it's called dirty mouth tooth powder is what we use and he'll add black walnut powder to his teeth things. And his teeth have felt so much better since he started doing it. And really? um, we'll link the book for Be Your Own Doctor mm -hmm. by Rachel. By Rachel Weaver. She's yeah. got four books and they are all amazing. And they're not yeah, like a cool typical like natural home remedies book. It's so easy to follow yes. and so many. It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And there's so many yeah. remedies that are just things that like, you you'll think oh I need to look up this ailment and then you look it up and you're like oh wait I have that yeah. it'll be something as simple as like garlic onion. or an onion yeah. Yeah. yeah and you're like oh yeah. wait I have that yeah. so you can actually do them I mean there are other things that you know you might need to go buy but um she has so many options for one ailment of so many home remedies some more extensive than others but a lot of them are stuff you probably have in your own home yeah that's true yeah. but we'll jump back into this yeah. um and we'll link the book and 
just on the black walnut thing, I know they're super good for your teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what are some plants and herbs that you could pretty much find anywhere, no matter where you live in the fall? The things that follow humans wherever they go. And that's your plantain, your dock, your, um, I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Yarrow, goldenrod. So we tell time here, like we know fall is coming when the goldenrod starts. Before the leaves turn, the goldenrod comes. And this is interesting about goldenrod because if you have allergies specifically to ragweed and most pollens, goldenrod, which looks so much like ragweed, is the is the cure, if you will, for for ragweed allergies. It's so interesting because my dad was like, oh, you got to get all because he's highly allergic to ragweed. He's like, oh, you got to cut down all the ragweed. I'm like, dad, that's goldenrod. You should be taking that in tea. You are allergic to ragweed. And he's like, what? And so I put like a bundle of it up against his nose to to smell. And he was like, that smells nothing like ragweed. It doesn't. It's got a sweet, a sweet aroma. It's so good. And you can dry it. You can bring it inside. You can dry it. Um, it it reminds you in the wintertime, I like to make a, a summertime tea. So it's got like calendula and yarrow and goldenrod. And it's all the bright things from summer. And it it just, it lifts your spirits in the winter. It makes you think of summer. Can but I ask so you good. what the um, symptoms are? for your dad's when he's allergies. allergic to yeah he gets itchy eyes his eyes start watering his throat feels like he's constantly having saliva his nose starts to trickle those okay. are his allergies because i think that my oldest is actually allergic to to it as well and i think we do have goldenrod growing On the property now yes nice um so knowing that that's yep that's actually really good to know because he like since it started growing, he's started like really flaring up. Yeah. Um, he hasn't had allergies in forever, and I don't know why this year he just they really took off. I think this year though, we didn't have any logging coming in, which we did yeah. last year, and everything was torn up. This year it's all just everything is super thick. Yeah. Super yeah. Long thick. Yeah. Um, they say that bee pollen's really good for allergies as well. And I know he was taking bee pollen consistently with his allergies um okay but start small with the tea see you, if he has a reaction you do local bee pollen like how do we get how do you get your hands on things like that you find a, a bee person in your area okay. you find someone who who raises bee but most most people won't be harvesting bee pollen that's what um, i was wondering yeah uh you can check online I know he he found somebody literally in his town who was doing it. So I know there are people who do it, but I think it's like time intensive in order to get the pollen off of the bee. Yeah. So, so okay. So we're all experts now on what we can forage in the fall time. And <laughs> we, right. we're just going to go out and we're all going to do it now. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now, what do we do with it all? So how do we, <laughs> how do we keep it until the next fall? The same way that you do all your other garden stuff. So you're going to dry, you're going to freeze, can. Um, I like to just, so for a lot of the things I will dry, if they're leaves, if they're flowers, or if they're seeds, I will dry them and then I'll figure out what I want to do with them. I made a list this year of all the things that I had planned and already brought in to dry 
And then on that list, I wrote down next to it, what it was good for. Because if I know what it's good for, then I can think to myself, okay, what do we need? Right. So realistically, I've got family members who have certain problems and they're going to need a mixture of like milk, thistle and hawthorn berries Mm -hmm. because liver damage and heart issues. So like I'm going to make concoctions for them, teas for them or um, the jewelweed when the jewelweed, the jewelweed is up right now. So if you have poison ivy, get yourself around a jewelweed plant because that thing, I get poison ivy every year without fail jewelweed is the only thing that helps and it takes it right away I have to rub it raw like I have to rub with uh dawn dish soap or a really good sudsing soap I have to scrub where the poison ivy is so that it's raw and then I put fresh jewelweed or because I can't do jewelweed all year long it's not in season what I found, and I can't remember where I found this. It's definitely not in most of the forums. It must have been in some like random hole on the internet because I haven't seen anyone else doing it. It's jewelweed in apple cider vinegar. And so apple cider vinegar will dry out a wound. I see lots of people doing jewelweed salve and jewelweed creams, but those retain moisture. And that's the opposite of what you want with poison ivy. You want to dry it out. Right. So I put it in apple cider vinegar and I let it sit and that stuff is potent I put just a little bit of that wash on and it's gone in a day it's gone in a day and that's crazy for me because I have such a strong allergic reaction to poison ivy so there are things that I will put in apple cider vinegar there are things that I will do in oximals which are putting them in honey like I know it's very popular to do the garlic and honey Mm -hmm. you can do that with so many different kinds of plants there's also Ariel this tea that um Micah just found I just texted him to see if he could tell me what it is but it's like an Indian tea for poison ivy he gets it horrifically every single year he gets it horrifically and so does some of our kids yeah and it's the first thing that he's ever used out of everything he's ever used that has gotten rid of his poison ivy within like three or four days and it's an old Indian tea and I think it only grows in cooler states I want to say don't judge if that's not correct Mm-hmm. But once he gets back to me, I will link it here because basically you make it into a tea and you can leave it in the refrigerator for up to six months. So every time they get poison ivy, they just dip their cotton balls in it and rub it all over there. It's it's incredible. Like, and when I say he gets bad poison ivy, it's bad. Like it's always yep. horrific and he can't yep. get rid of it for like three or four weeks. And then he found this tea kind of expensive. It was like $16 a pound oh, wow. and it, it has worked. Like it has worked like a charm for him. I would not be surprised if jewelweed isn't in that. I know. I was just thinking that. Yeah. I, I, it's a specific plant. There's no, it's just one plant. That's all it is. It's just one plant made into tea. It's because he's used jewelweed before and hasn't worked yes. as well for him. Okay. Um, I, so it, I, yeah. I'm I want to know what that is. Yeah. I'm going to see if he'll text me back here. He's, he's working today. So, sure. um, but if he doesn't, we'll just put it in the show yeah. notes because it's been like a total lifesaver for him and the kids that have suffered from it. I do find this interesting that some plants really don't work for some people. Yeah. Um, even though they're touted as the plant, that is the thing. Made for that. So, yeah. 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 Um, but I just find that very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just nice yeah. to know there's so many options out there for different ailments and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so if it's, since it could, we found it really only could grow in cooler climates, it sounds like we might just have to have you plant a bunch. Yeah. 
And Steph, to, to go back to your question about what you should do with things, I think that you should be putting plants in your breads. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like your ball birds. Yeah, yeah. That is a good idea. Yeah. I just need yeah. to get more confident. Well, because Instagram's super, yeah, on identifying them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I do know there's Got a bunch it, of apps out. So to close us out, do you have any, I mean, I know we talked about this in the summer, so it could be similar, um, but okay. do you have any good book resources, recommendations for fall foraging um, for someone who's just wanting to get started or someone who might be into it already, but. Yeah. That wants to go explore more. Yeah. So I've been following for a while, this guy, he's a, a chef. Um, his website is foragerchef.com and he just makes all the things look delicious. So he's really good for inspiration and finding recipes. Um, on Instagram, wild period food period chef. He's also fantastic, but there's so many people out there that you can follow for inspiration for this. Just type in forager into like the search bar on Instagram or Facebook and you're going to find them. They're out there. But as far as books go, I really like the foraging and feasting book. It's pretty big. You'll probably have seen it. It's on Mountain Rose Herbs. Um, it's by Dinah Falcone. I think that's how you say her name. And then the other book that I really loved was The Forager's Pantry by Ellen Zekos. And we'll link both of those, but those were great foraging books to, to pick up. I don't want to overwhelm you with all of the foraging books because there are so many and you could literally just pick one up and go through it and learn so much, but every book is like that. And I found that finding the one for your region is what you need to do. So make sure that it's in your region, but otherwise just go outside. It's like, so Stephanie, we're gardeners and we go out to the garden during this season, almost daily to try to harvest what we gather. Right. It's no different with everything that's outside right it's just now. just a mindset There's switch. so much food. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. got to think about yes. it that way instead of not that specific season that you plant a garden that you put in the ground and you go harvest. This is already naturally there and this is the season for it. Mm -hmm. Go yeah. do it. And if you're yeah. a homeschooler, I do want to say this. My kids, so we have three or four, um, we have three or four uh, foraging books that my kids are obsessed with <laughs> and they go out and if this is great science for them too. Like they go mm -hmm. out in the seasons and they will identify plants. They know more about the plants around us than I even do, unfortunately, but they'll come in and they'll show me, Hey mom, look, here's all the stuff. This is all the information on this particular plant. They talk to their dad about it because their dad helps them, you know, figure some things out, but then they love doing it. Like they love going out and searching for the plants. So that's a great science. Like it is honestly, even though I'm doing a science curriculum this year, they've gone through so many and harvested so many forage plants and have learned about them. That's awesome. part of their science this year. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Oh, don't forget elderberries. Yes. That's mm -hmm. like, that is the one thing I do get. I have, I have elderberry plants down my dirt road Yep. and yeah. nobody drives down the dirt road yeah. for yeah. us. So we yeah. go and harvest that. And do. we can link the post. I just, I just made a post because on my blog, I have a section where we do uh whole food ingredient indexes, where I'm literally going through every whole food I can think of as I go through it every week. I'm putting a new one out of the benefits of each and mm -hmm. every food. And I just put out a um, nice. elderberry one last week. Nice. 
Um, so we can put, we can link that one in there too. So if you're curious about the benefits of elderberry, elderberry. Uh, that is one of the biggest things I keep around my house is elderberry syrup. Yep. And do it as a preventative, yep. but we also use it when we do, when the first symptoms arrive, we bump it up and take a couple more teaspoons a day, but I just let them, I put it on the table, the open jar, and I'm like, have at it in the yep. mornings. And they will yep. use those little, uh, eyedropper things that, you know, you can get with medicine Yep. and that I've had them for years and years and years. And so they'll use them and like shoot it into their mouths yep. and they just drink it until their hearts are content. And I'll do it a couple times a week and it's a preventative for And it's sickness way cheaper to make it at home than it is to buy it. Mm-hmm. So I also yes. did link a recipe in that. You can well. buy dried, Wait, if you don't have access to elderberries, you can buy dried elderberries yes. cheaper than you can buy the syrup already made. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it yeah. lasts, especially if you buy it in like the bulk. Yes. Or, oh my gosh, it, it lasts, lasts forever. Yes. Forever. Yeah. So, well, that is going to close us up today for the Fall Foraging Podcast. Um, and we look forward to seeing you guys on episode 19. You've been listening to the Whole Topic Podcast. To hear more, to see behind the scenes, or to get a hold of us directly, visit our socials, Facebook, and Instagram, The Whole Topic Podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Andrea, visit her blog at dearmark23.com, where she talks about whole foods, whole grains, and whole living. If you'd like to hear more from Stephanie, visit theranchershomestead.com, where she talks about simple living, gluten-free recipes, and farm life. If you'd like to see more from me, visit wildandforestcare.com, where I talk about simple living, wild recipes, and natural remedies. Thank you for listening, and God bless.